and follow them. We thank you and we praise you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and thank God. Again, it is good to be here this morning. We thank and praise God for all that he does. Our scripture this morning is going to come from the same scripture that I read for the installation of the officers. In Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, we're going to read just one verse, but I encourage you to read this entire chapter, uh, as a matter of fact, one through four, to really get a literary context of what is taking place. In Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, verse number six, it says, So built we the walls, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. And that's what I want to take for my thought. The people had a mind to work. All of us as believers should have a Christian work ethic that is birthed out of our passion to please our Savior. If you're really living this Christian life the way that you should be living this Christian life, it all begins with a spirit of love that God has given each and every one of us. It is the same love that he showed when he died on Calvary's cross and sacrificed himself. Because when you and I give our lives to Christ, he comes into our lives, and because he is love, then we should be exemplifying the same type of love. We should be walking in the same type of spirit that Christ walked in. And Christ did not see not one person that was in need that he did not take care of. It does not matter what the need was. When he showed up at the graveside of Lazarus, he raised Lazarus from the dead. When he was teaching the multitudes, and the day had went far spent, and instead of him sending them home, he fed them with two fish and five barley loaves of bread. Jesus is our example of what Christian work really looks like. And if you name the name of Christ, if you have been born again and blood washed in his blood, then you should have the same zeal and the same zest for work. We all should be enthusiastic about what we can do to bring honor and glory unto the Lord Jesus Christ. So what has happened to the church? We, we, we've come to a place to where we want to come to church just to rest. Just for a social gathering. Well, that's not going to be enough for the vision in which I believe God has given me. Because it's going to take people working. John C. Collins said this quote. He said, a vision without workers is irrelevant. If you do not have the workers, the people who are going to work in the vision, 
to bring the vision to pass. It's no longer a vision anymore. He also goes on to say that if you really want a meaningful life, then you need to have a meaningful work. And what does that look like? A meaningful work looks like something where we're helping someone to make their way to Christ. That's what a meaningful work is. Because a meaningful work is kingdom work. It is building the kingdom of God. And I know here in Nehemiah, they're building a wall. And God is not calling us to build a wall right about now. But he is asking us to build his kingdom in which he has already laid the foundation to. And he's given us every gift and every tool to be able to do it. But but, but what exactly does kingdom work look like? Well, to put it succinctly, it is using our gifts, our talents, and abilities in the service of the kingdom of God. Listen here. It is looking intentionally every day for moments in which we bring God's glory. It's using the gifts in which God has given you. And you cannot sit here and tell me that God has not given you a gift. He's given every believer a gift. That's Bible. The Bible says that he's given every one of us a gift. Well, my question is, how are you using your gift? Don't, don't, don't confuse your gift with your position. Because a lot of us do that. You think just because you have a position that you don't have to do any work. You just stand around and tell other folk what to do. But God has given each and every one of us a unique gift that we can use for his glory in the upbuilding of his kingdom. And I, I, I don't, I don't want to be in the kingdom all by myself. There are some loved ones that I'm still working on, trying to get them to come on into the kingdom, become kingdom citizens. There are some co-workers that I'm trying to get to come into the kingdom, be kingdom citizens. But understand that I realize that it takes some work in order to get them there. It takes more than me just preaching to them and telling them about the goodness of Jesus Christ. It takes me loving them. It's taking me rolling up my sleeves and getting down in the muck and the mire with them that I might be able to help them up out of it. This this is really kingdom work. It's it's, it's time out for us just sitting back pointing fingers. But kingdom work is birthed out of what's in your heart. What what, what is it that's in your heart? What, What is it that you're passionate about? How how can you use this to really bless God and his kingdom efforts? Well, Nehemiah gives us an example of what kingdom leadership looks like. The last time we left Nehemiah on last week, Nehemiah made this statement, and he was the king's cupbearer. 
In essence, what Nehemiah is saying is that I was in, I am in a position. God has blessed me and gifted me in a position that I can do something to help my people back in Judah. And each and every one of us, God has given us something, whether it's position or whether it's influence to where we can help somebody. That, that, that we can glorify God in our efforts. But, but most times we just sit back. We don't, we don't want to make any waves. We don't want to ruffle any feathers. We, 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 we want to come in and, and, and just sit up and be trophy Christians. But what we really need is to get down in the trenches. We need some boots on the ground, Christians. We, 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 need, we need some folk that's not afraid to go ye therefore into all the nations, in all the worlds. Yeah, that, that, that's all of them. That's Brightmore, that's Mac and Bewick. That's in the, the difficult parts, the hard parts. The parts that folk don't want to go into. But we have a responsibility. Because Nazareth wasn't the best place in the world. You know, the saying was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, that's what Jesus was raised at. He was raised in the hood. We don't want to go to the hood. But it's using it. Kingdom worker is somebody who takes whatever God gives them. Whether it be a talent or be influence to make relationships, to build relationships, to create opportunities to spread the gospel. So we must ask ourselves two questions. God, how can I use this gift that you've given me to be a messenger for Christ? How, how can I use the gift in which you've given me that I might be able to be an effective witness and tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ? And then, God, how can I use this gift to actually bring heaven to earth? Because really, that's really what the, the, the whole uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount was about, is that we're bringing heaven down to earth. We're living like kingdom citizens while we're yet here on earth. Because you don't know how to act when you get up in heaven. That's why so many challenges for us today. But here Nehemiah has this burden. He has this passion for his people. Now understand this, that last week, the Bible says that he was in the month of Chislu, which in, 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 the, in, the, in the Hebrew time, that was late November, early December. From last week's text to this week's text, which starts in actually the second chapter, there is a four-month gap. There's a four-month gap before Nehemiah puts together any type of plan, formulates any type of strategy. Nehemiah spends four months fasting, praying, going before the Lord. 
And what that tells me that that it's very and critical and important for us to pray before we do anything. Yes, we have a vision. But it's through the power of prayer and the commitment of you, the people, that the vision will come to pass. And so we need to spend more time fasting and praying. And and if you want an explanation of fasting, come to Bible study because that's what we'll be talking about this Wednesday. No one wants to fast without putting intermediate before it. But the only fast we do is intermediate fasting. And it it has nothing to do with glorifying God. It's to help us lose weight. Well, 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 if you do it spiritually, it'll help you lose some weights too, some things that you shouldn't be doing. And so Nehemiah takes four months before he even goes to the king. He's fasting and he's praying. And understand that Nehemiah goes to the king and he's really kind of apprehensive. And it shows on his face. Because when he goes to the king, he has a sad countenance about himself. And this really shows the relationship between Nehemiah and the king. The king knew enough about Nehemiah that he knew that there was something different about Nehemiah. And much in the same way, we should be able to tell something about what's on your face. What you're burdened down with. You come in here and you all smiles and giggles. And you know what's going on in this world. that we I cannot get comfortable in this world. I have a difficult time sleeping sometimes because of a lot of the mess that's going on around us. I I, I can't rationalize it in my head. How this, this world, this nation could get in the state that it's in. And the reason why is because the walls have been broken down. There's no more guard around and protection around the United States of America. And when there's no guard, if there's no protection, if there's no wall, you are susceptible to the enemy. And that's what's happening with us. Satan has come in and he's sowed discord in this nation. He sowed division in this nation. And Lord, help us. He's sowing division in the church. The church needs to be one body. One unified force. Saying and speaking the same thing on one accord. But what happened? What happened to us? Well, part of the thing that happened to us is when We took God out of the equation. When we got just like these people and began to serve other gods, like money and mammon. The time in which it all became about money and not about God. We're more concerned about our 401k than John 3.16. 
We're more concerned about our stock options and not really invested in what God has for us. You look at your investments and you want to see a return on your investment. Well, understand that God has a return on his investment as well. It is spiritual. Lay not for yourself treasures here on earth, but in heaven. Why? Because where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. God desires to do a work. And so Nehemiah goes to the king. And he gets permission from the king to go back to Judah and to begin the rebuilding of the wall. Now understand that, that, that Nehemiah has not taken any surveys to see who was going to help, who was going to jump in. There, there's nowhere in the text that we see that. But Nehemiah must go by faith because Nehemiah feels the tug of God's on his heart. No, no, nowhere in the text do we see that God commissioned Nehemiah to do anything. How did Nehemiah know that this was what God wanted him to do? It's because it was breaking his heart. My question to you, what's breaking your heart again? Or are we just sitting around and saying, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil? We put blinders on to the ills of this world. This seems to be a, a, a shooting of an underage person or anybody in the city of Detroit. And it seems like it's common knowledge. It's common stuff to us. It doesn't bother us whatsoever. We've become so, so used to it. Why have we become used to it? Because as Pastor Twyman said, we've turned the dimmer switch down. It no longer bothers us anymore. It no longer affects us anymore. And so we hear about it, and then before you know it, it's gone. Nehemiah was not like that. And so he gets the permission of the king to go back to help build the wall. Chapter number three opens up. Well, actually, even before chapter number three, because chapter number, number two, around the 14th or 15th verse, you see opposition to what Nehemiah wants to do. And understand, anytime you're going to do anything for the glory of God, you can expect opposition. You can anticipate that somebody is going to step up and say, hey, what are you doing? And so there is, there is, there, 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 there's the three, three fellas that oppose what Nehemiah wanted to do. Now understand that these three fellas really didn't have a reason to do so other than the fact they just didn't want Israel to be blessed. They all were governors in their own provinces. They had no problems whatsoever. And here's the problem with some folk. Is the folk don't really want the blessing. They just don't want you to have the blessing. They, they, they don't want you to have knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
They don't want you to come in and be blessed. It's not like they're not being blessed. You being blessed, why not bless somebody else? Why not let God bless somebody else? The Bible said that when one person gives their heart to Christ, all of heaven rejoice. But we're so busy looking at negativity and negative folk and toxic folk. We seem to celebrate them type of people. That, 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 that's why, that, that, that's why when, you, when you have an accident on the side of the road, it slows down because folk, folk, folk want to see mess. We love to see negative things. So these men had no other problem with it other than the fact that God was blessing Israel. Chapter number three is interesting, but it's really kind of boring. Because really it's, it's, it's all the names of the people who were helping to rebuild the wall. When Nehemiah got there, people began to come in droves, rolling up their sleeves and willing to work. But if you look at it, 16 times in that third chapter, you see the word nearby, nearby, nearby. What are you saying? Nehemiah would give a name and he said, this person worked nearby this person. The next person worked nearby this person. And nearby this person. So on and so forth. All throughout the whole third chapter. So what does that tell us? That we're all connected. That we're all linked together as one accord doing the work of the Lord. And so no one got outside of their lane. There was a certain thing that you had to focus on, and that's what you focus on. And based upon your gifts and what God has given you, we all need to stay in our lane. We all need to focus on what God, don't focus on what somebody else ain't doing. You just make sure you're building your part of the wall correctly. That you're building it on the foundation, the firm and the sure foundation of Jesus Christ. Stop getting distracted by what somebody else is doing or ain't doing. There's some folk that will not roll up their sleeve because they don't see other folk working. There are some people who are afraid. And they're afraid to get up and work because they've never done this before. We're in a place where we're going to be doing something that we've not done. But understand this. You'll never know what you can do until you actually do it. Did you get that? that some, some of you will surprise yourself that you can do something that you didn't think you were able to do. It just takes you rolling up your sleeves. It takes you stepping up to the plate. It takes you stepping out on that love that you have inside of you, that love for mankind, that love for God, and that deep desire to see people saved. Nehemiah knew that it was critical 
let this wall be rebuilt. Now, if you think that the book of Nehemiah is just about rebuilding of a wall, it is not. As a matter of fact, there are three th different things that happen in this book of Nehemiah. Rebuilding the wall was only the first of it. The second thing that Nehemiah shows us is after rebuilding the wall, that the nation had been revived. And understand that when we begin to work, brothers and sisters, not only will it help those who are outside, but it will break out a revival within us. And many of us need to be revived. There needs to be a spirit of revival within the church. The church needs that energy. Because we've lost it. Because we've become idle. It's time. And then thirdly, it gave them the ability to resettle his people in his land. This was all designed and orchestrated by an almighty God. And understand that, that, that even though we're going to have our enemies, even though we're going to have our distractions, it all comes for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. There's going to be some difficult times. We're going to meet our challenges. There are going to be some people like these distractors that are going to tell you, are you really doing what you should be doing? There, there, there are going to be some enemies. And we all know what an enemy is. But understand there's going to be some frenemies as well. These, these are folk that appear to be your friend. That pull up on you and, 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 and talk to you and, and, and speak an encouraging word in your, in your ear. But yet before they leave, they give you this distraction. But understand that I've become focused you know, on what God wants me to do. To whereas I don't even see the distractions anymore. I don't, I don't even consider the distractions anymore. And the reason why I don't, because I know what the Lord has shown me and what he's told me. And as long as I'm standing on the word of God, as long as I'm not diverting and going outside of what the word of God says, I have full confidence that it's full steam ahead. That I don't care what you stay, say, you're not going to stop me from doing what God told me to do. You don't have the right nor the authority to cancel my assignment. Because I'm coming in the spirit of God. I'm coming because I love God. I'm coming because I know that God will kill me if I don't do what he say do. Understand that, that it's not always easy. I, I, I have my moments of weakness. I, I have my moments of doubting whether I have the capability whether I have the fortitude, I have those times. But just as often as I have those times, the Holy Spirit comes and assures me and reassures me. 
that is really not you. You don't have the ability nor the capability, but I do. And if you would just stay on the wall, if you keep building the wall, you keep doing what I told you to do. You're going to be blessed. And not only you, but everybody that's under your authority is going to be blessed. Because this is what God desires. He desires a unified church. A church that is built on the word of God. That studies the word of God that lives the word of God, that teaches the word of God. And that's what I promise that I'll do. Because I know the importance of this. Nehemiah teaches us that anything is possible when we line up with the will of God. There's not one thing that God will not hold from us if we just align ourselves with his will and his purpose. Everything that we go to stretch forth our hand to do, God will bless it. And we're not doing it for selfish reasons. We're not doing it that we might be seen or known or pack out this church. We're doing it for the glory of God. And if that so happens to be, so be it. But my objective is to win souls. And to glorify God. And so Nehemiah, just by his presence, just by his requests, got hundreds of people, if not thousands, to come and to rebuild the wall. A task that perhaps should have taken months took 52 days to accomplish. In 52 days, they accomplished the rebuilding of the wall. That was an insurmountable, impossible task apart from God. And if Nehemiah can build and do the impossible in 52 days, what can we do in 52 weeks of the year? What, what, what kind of accomplishment can we give for the glory of God? We just become workers in the vineyard. Jesus stood over Jerusalem. And he began to get vexed in his spirit. Because he's seen the wickedness of Jerusalem. And he realized that the harvest was plentiful. But the laborers were few. That seems to be the, 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 the thing about uh, work anywhere. Because we're in a worker's crisis right now. It's hard to find good help. And the same thing is in the church. It's hard to find good help. People who don't mind getting sweaty. People who don't mind, don't mind getting their hands dirty. That's what we're looking for. And so we will, going forward, we're going to start off with praying. I'm going to ask you to fast. I'm going to ask you to go before the Lord. 
We have the vision. We need the people. We need the, 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 the harvest that's out there. Sometimes it's hard to get to the harvest. Sometimes it takes effort to get to the harvest. And so we need to pray. We need to fast. Ask God for what we need. And usually that's something that's within all of us. It's that spirit of helping and loving people. That's inside of us. So we're going to fast. We're going to pray. And we're going to put together a plan. I'll be having a board that will be made up where there'll be different ministries and helps that you can sign up for. Now, I don't want that board to sit up there and stay blank for weeks and months on end. I need you to at least give it a shot. If you, if, if you would just get in, you don't know, you might surprise yourself. And if it's not for you, then you can get off. It's no problem there. Because we want people who are going to be effective. We want this work to be a work of joy, of love. That's what we want. And so we're going, we're going to pray about this thing, but we're going to be strategic in how we do it. I'm not just going to run out in the street with a bullhorn and start preaching the gospel. No, I don't believe that's the way we do it. There's a strategy to this thing that God will give us wisdom on. He's already opening up some things to me, and I'm, I'm already putting some things into place. But once it's in place, we need the bodies. We need the people. Because a vision without workers is irrelevant. Christ had a vision. Christ lived his vision. He was an example of what Christian work Christian life is like. What kingdom work is like. It's Christ. He came to make the vision possible. And he made it possible by giving himself. Surrendering his life. He said that no man takes my life. But I give my life as a ransom. In other words, he sacrificed. Kingdom work requires us sacrificing. It requires us at times, yes, even losing our own life, denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. And we're to follow Christ all the way to the cross. In other words, we should be willing to give everything that we have for the cause of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he gave it for you. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. He suffered, bled, and died on the old cross over 2,000 years ago. Calvary's cross. They nailed him in his hands and nailed him in his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head and pierced him in his side. Yes, he died upon that cross. But understand that he did not die before he had prayed for the people. He said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they, these are the ones who crucified him. But yet he still prayed for them. The awesome sacrifice, the awesome example that Christ gave us at the cross. 
He died, I tell you. They buried him in the tomb, but on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. And because of that, I've been justified. He's forgiven me of my sin because I put my faith in him. And if you put your faith in him, he'll forgive you of your sin, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what he come to do. He come to seek and to save. And much in the same way, that's what we do. Seek those who are lost. Take the gospel to them. You've already heard the gospel message. You've already received the gospel message. Now it's time for you to give it to somebody. It's time for you to begin to live the gospel before people. Showing them the sacrifice that Christ made for you. And your willingness to do the same. Because the scripture said, no greater love does a man have for his friend than he laid down his life for him. That's what we should be doing as Christians. But oh, he's coming back. Jesus Christ is sitting high. But he's looking at what's going on down here on earth. He sees what we're doing and what we're not doing. That we should be doing. He's coming back again for a church without a spot or a wrinkle. And he desires to find a church that has a mind to work. In other words, let's stop being lazy Christians and get up and do some work, some real genuine kingdom work. That's what God wants us to do. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Is there one? If you want a meaningful life, you must do a meaningful work. Amen. God bless.